All right, the two covenants, you guys ready? Here's what you'll find out. There's no bad news in the good news. Even the stuff we were told in the Old Testament, once you read it in Hebrew, it's like this beautiful story. And wouldn't that make more sense that God is life and he's love? And Hebrews 10 tells us those stories are good things to come. It even says, it's good. Those stories are good of things that are going to happen in you, is what he's saying. So wouldn't it make more sense that those stories, instead of even what I was told by most of the patristic scholars, like, oh, that was just angry old covenant God, or that was angry man coming out of himself. When you read it in Hebrew, there's no anger whatsoever. And I'll, I'll try to show you some of that tonight, where wouldn't it make more sense that he's only life, he's only love, and if the, if the book is actually supposed to be good news, that even those stories are good news. Wouldn't that be shocking? So I'm trying to show people that is, uh, now when I read it, um, hey, Stephen, I see you there. So he was just going, what about Ham, Sham, and Japheth? Maybe I'll remember to do that. And what I told him, I said, I don't even know what it is because I haven't studied it out, but I know what it is. Because it's always about the two covenants. Sure enough, I spent about an hour in the morning and I called him, I go, it's, it's exactly the same. So let me explain it like this first. So God is love and he's light. Doesn't it say that? And it says he never changes. So he wasn't a different person or a different God in the Old Testament than he was in the New Testament. That's kind of what we were taught, right? Once his anger was appeased, then, then now he's different. Well, that never settled right with me because then he changed. And if he's the same yesterday, today, ever, with no shadow or turning, then how can he be different before or after, right? And how could it be that something happened 2,000 years ago that wasn't true forever? Follow me? Because it had to be the same truth. And then when you dig into Hebrew, I'm just telling you the whole book is good. It's so good. And so I, I'm more excited, like I said, now um, than I've ever been because it makes total sense to me. Everything's good. It's good news. And so I just want to go through a little bit and then we'll take a little Noah. But there's two covenants. Aren't we told that? There's two covenants. There's an older one that fades away. And then there's one that lasts forever, a newer covenant. And so uh, like Beth was talking about, we're the temple. So it says, we are the temple, we are the Ark of the Covenant, we are the, the inhabitant of God. He inhabits us, the temple made without human hands that was woven in this seamless garment in our mother's womb, and he inhabits it, is what he says. And so the New Testament says, all of those Old Testament stories are good things about you and you are the temple. So all of those stories about the arks, the temples, the covenants have to be something in you. Does that make sense? All right. It should, I showed you last week, because if you look at the temple, the sun rises in the east, and the first creation that fades away is the older covenant. That's talking about physical creation, if you look at it. So <clears throat> the sun rises in the east, and he comes through the gates, and he enters the woman's court. And I, I told you, covenant, like we see in, uh, when God cuts covenant with Abram, he starts to introduce this I have covenant. Actually, he introduces covenant in the very first word of the Bible I was sharing this Thursday night, is the whole gospel is in the first word. Better sheet. We'll, we'll get into that some other time. The more I dig into it, it's like the whole thing was right there. Oh my gosh. So from the beginning and the end, it was the same. The, the first word tells you the whole Bible. Isn't that interesting? So all those stories have to be better sheets if you understand that word. But anyway, so covenant, when he's talking to Abram, the, the flesh man, Abram, the hay hadn't been added yet. So he says, Abram is the flesh man. And he says, listen, here's what we're going to do. Covenant, or when two things come together, life comes out of it. And so all the creatures of the earth that walk the earth, cut them in half is the imagery. It says, cut them in half, and I'll walk me through the steaming pot of desire or prayer, really, if you go look at the two different covenants, um, is going to be in it. And so when God is between two bloody halves, two become one, they become in covenant, and life springs out, new life springs out. So the lower, the lower holy place that 
fades away. So this is really interesting. Like the more I study, it's like the scriptures are so exact, um, just not how we've been taught. And so that once you realize, I don't need to make anything up, they actually become this beautiful thing. So he's talking about the lower covenant where man enters the two-leaf gates of the woman, and you see the golden candlestick of the man and the altar of the woman. <clears throat> the blood and the, the wine mix is what it says, and blood in that covenant was the wine of the grapes or the oil of the olives that are on each side of the candlestick. It's really gr- kind of graphic is what it's showing you. But then it says, then the unleavened bread in the woman's womb now becomes leavened with the seed of the man, and in a couple of months, the unleavened bread becomes showbread. She shows. I was telling Barbara, even the language we use and the intimacy and everything is all from there. You can see all the scriptures when I dig into the Old Testament. The language we use for it is all comes from scripture. It's really a fascinating thing. Does that make sense to you? All right, now that fades away. It fades away in men and women around 50, right? Isn't that true? And then it says, that old covenant fades away. However, Abraham, that he adds the H to it, so the, the man who creates by pure grace, this was out of pure grace, the higher place, when you come up a little higher in the, in the temple, which is you and I, you see the holiest of holies, which is the head of a man. And the head of the man is the, the ark or box of wood, acacia wood, covered in gold that has two golden cherubims. The gold is always divinity. So gold is the ability of God. <clears throat> And when we have a prayer that goes between the two laves of our brain, the two cherubs, cherubim, and even in the Old Testament imageries, those are creatures of imagination. Those are divine, they're golden creatures that what you imagine creates. It says, so when you have prayer, when you have a thought and a desire between the two cherubims, the two halves, guess what happens? Revelation tells us that's prayer, that sweet aroma that comes from the altar of incense in between our two halves, right? Goes up and it's a sweet smelling fragrance to God. And guess what? It says that fragrance is cast into the yam or sea, which is <clears throat> the spirit around us. So when we have prayer, it literally, just like the physical seed of a man is cast into the deep waters of the womb, is what it says, the womb of the man, the altar of incense. When we have a thought or prayer, it's cast into the sea that's all around the temple, which is the spirit himself. And we, that's where quantum physics is so fascinating to me. It's like your thoughts become a thought emotionalized with joy, with gratitude, actually becomes. It's cast into the sea, the whole spirit we live in, and all creation moves and forms to do what you just did between these golden cherubim. Isn't that wild symbolism? It's amazing to me when I look at it. So anyway, I want to just, uh, um, yeah, okay, I think, you, I think you get it all. So <clears throat> what it says is when God goes between the two bloody halves, you know, the first one is a woman, the, the gates of a woman, and the second one is the two halves of our brain, the bloody halves of our brain, right? It says when God, God's presence in there creates, two become one and life is created by grace is what it says. This one's going to fade away, but this one, Abraham maintained his strength till old age. Now, you don't have to run around, ladies and guys, going, when I'm 100, I'm still going to have the seed of Abraham. I, it's not what it's talking about, but good luck. Might be fun, right? But that's not what he's talking about. He's really not talking about that. He's talking about your strength in the new covenant when you've been baptized completely in spirit. He says, Moses definitely was immersed in water. Moses means to draw, be drawn out of the water of the womb of a man, right? It says, and we see this imagery in John the Baptist and Jesus too. It says, John the Baptist, which is the least in the kingdom, but mightiest of men, he came out of the immersion of water, but the spirit, Pentecost, at 50, you go from the lower courts to the higher court, the holiest of holies, and you're immersed completely in spirit. 
Doesn't that make sense? It makes total sense once you get it. So anyway, the two covenants, you go look at every story. They're going to talk about first the physical. Once you understand that, Esau and Jacob, uh, Cain, Abel, John the Baptist, Jesus, Barabbas, Jesus. They're always two. There's always two. So they talk about two covenants in your loin, the, the two men and women in your loins, and two up here. One, you, you look with your eyes. You're being led by your physical senses. And one by the single eye, it says, within. And uh, that's pretty interesting. As I was sharing with you, I, think, I don't know if I shared it last week, but uh, Dr. K has done a lot of that too. And I was getting this imagery before I heard her, and she's really developed it. But it, there's this thing, there's this little gland between the two bloody halves in your brain called the pineal. And you can figure out what that word means, right? The male part of the mind is really what it says. And Lily says, when you get emotional, when you get joy and gratitude and all these things that Philippians 4 tells us to think on, things that are lovely, things that are pure, things that are just exciting, that you get excited about life about, it actually energizes that pineal gland. And guess what? It swells like a pine cone. It's, literally, it's a shape of a pine, if you want to go look at it. Shape of a pine cone. If you know anything about pine cones, I had to do this in biology. I remember doing this at the Academy in Biology. 220 or whatever it was. The, maybe you didn't take all that. I, did, I was meds, pre-med, so I had to take all this goofy stuff. And uh, nothing to do with medicine, but anyway, I got to learn about pine cones. And uh, the pine, <clears throat> either it takes warmth or heat, it swells and opens up, and the, 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 male pollen, the male pine cones are real tiny. You usually don't see them. What you guys see are the big ones, you know, with the big leaves. And so... When it gets warm, that male pine cone swells and all this pollen is released. It blows out and, and fertilizes the female pine cones. Now, pineal gland is shaped exactly like a pine cone in our head. It says once it gets activated with joy and gratitude and all these really good emotions, this milky, cloudy substance comes out and fertilizes between the two halves of the brain. And that goes out into the spirit and all creation responds to it. They're showing that in science right now. If you have a good thought, it literally rewinds somebody's DNA right next to you. Therefore, have good thoughts, right? <laughs> Unless you want to unwind their DNA. Isn't that fascinating? The covenants are about how fearfully and wonderfully we've made. So anyway, let's, uh, let's set this up. Let's go to Genesis 9. So Noah, all right? I'm going to read it in English first, then we'll, we'll dig into it. Noah, most people read Noah, like I was taught, that how is the God of life... You know, Jesus, Jesus tells the religious leaders of his day, he says this, he says, you know, before Abraham and Isaac, I was. You guys are missing the whole point. I'm the God of the living. He's like, you guys got this wrong. There's no death in the kingdom. That's what Jesus is telling the religious leaders. That's the same message we're trying to share today. He says, you got this all wrong. I'm the God of living. Nothing's dead in my kingdom. Everything lives, Amen. So even when this earthly suit falls to the ground, we live, is what he's trying to say. Abraham and Isaac are alive, is what he's saying. Like, wait a minute, how are Abraham and Isaac alive? And that's why I would tell people that say that happened 2,000 years ago. How were they alive when Jesus said they were alive? Before the cross, how were they alive? You've got this wrong. He's the God of the living. Always has been. And he says, uh, oh, I forget what exactly he said. I wrote it today. I was reading it in Matthew. But the gospels basically say, hey, you guys got this wrong. And he says, because you know not the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. That's what he says. You've misinterpreted all these scriptures because you don't know me. You don't realize I'm only life. I'm only love. Even the quote unquote scary scriptures of the Old Testament, New Testament are always about life when you dig into the Hebrew. So Noah, how I was taught, is this God of life, this God of love somehow loves us so much that he wipes out every human being and only eight people on a boat in Asia walk out. 
Now, if we, were, if we had a brain, we should go, time out, pastor, which I, you know, I'm finally doing good. Stop, time out. How is that? How is life when Jesus goes, there's no death in me. There's, I only have life. How in the world did he wipe out however many people are on the earth except for eight? Doesn't that intrigue anybody? Now, let's see what it really says, because it's this beautiful covenant of the holy place, the act of physical creation. So, Noah. And Noah, we should know what Noah means. It literally is this. So the eight, on the eighth day, we see this imagery, right? The whole story of Noah is about everything that walks on earth creates life and multiplies. So subdue and multiply the earth and create life. And and, uh, everything that walks is going to do this. So the eight, when eight come off the boat, it's just totally butchered in English when you read it in Hebrew. It means this. Eight is the Hebrew letter chet. And so it says, when when the capstone or when the finished work in the inner house is done, new life comes out. So nuach is just he, two Hebrew letters. It's nun, chet. So nun is this. It says the seed that germinates and sprouts and creates life from within the finished work of the chamber. Both holy covenant and the holiest of covenants. What you do in both covenants creates life. This is proof that God is in you. This is how they wrote Noah. So let's dig into Noah a little bit. So Genesis 9, 13. I've set my rainbow in the clouds, and it'll be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Wherever I form clouds over the earth, and the rainbow appears in the clouds. And it keeps going. But rainbow, this is where it's fascinating to me, because I take it right out of Strong's. If you ever watch Sunday or Thursday nights, I go, I show you exactly what's in your book. The other guys are making it up. They're going, you got to be making this up. I go, no, I'm showing you what's there. The English translation is made up. (laughs) And so I'm just amazed. I'm going, well, of course, the Hebrews wrote it. It'd probably be a good thing to read what they wrote, not the translation from the translation from the translation. So people are like, you need to take this word scripturally. No problem. Just take the original scripturally and literally is what I would tell you. Go back and see what it actually says, and I'll take that literally, and I'm I'm cool with it. Fair enough? But you can't take somebody. It would be like this. Is, I forget what that game when you're little kids where you say something in their ear and by the 20th time or whatever, it's something totally different. You know what, I'm ta- what do they call that? What do they call it? Telephone. Oh, telephone? So it'd be like this. If we do this with our youth group and they, the first one has to say, God is love. By the time it came around, it'll say, let's go to Taco Bell. It'll say something like that. Like... <laughs> I'm telling you, when I'm reading the original Hebrew scriptures, I'm going, it is so far from what I've been taught. It's like, let's go to Taco Bell. It'd be a better translation, right? I'll just translate it all. Let's go to Taco Bell. I'll be closer. Because at least in Taco Bell, I get to consume something that becomes new life in me, right? Because God's not a God of death, so I know it's a better translation. So check this out. Rainbow, Strong's. I copy this right out of your book, okay? Strong's. The archer arrow. So think about a rainbow, in the clouds, right? A rainbow, the archer, or arrow, or a bowman. A bow for shooting, hence figuratively strength. So strength. Or the iris. What's the iris? What's the iris? It's a little opening in the eye, right? It's really fascinating because the eye is the Hebrew letter I-N. It's the single eye. It says if, you're, if your eye be single, not looking and living life out of these two physical eyes, if, your eye, if you live out of a single eye, that activates the pineal gland, you'll be full of joy and everything you could ever desire comes to you freely because you're casting that seed out into the spirit that responds to you. Isn't that fascinating? So it's the strength of the, the bowman, like a bowman shooting a bow and arrow, or the eye, the eye in, the arrow, bowman, a man's shot. Clouds is a nod. And it says a cloudy mass. 
know what that is, right? When two come together and the strength in a covenant, when two come together, is, is contained in the cloudy mass. So and it says, Anan is Ayin Nun Nun. And Ayin is what I just told you. It's, it's a fountain or an iris that shoots seeds of life that germinate and produce offspring. So here's what he's saying. They're looking at the, the, the physical sky and they're going, listen, when you see a rainbow, that's proof that that rain of clouds comes down and germinates the earth and new life happens. That's the strength in the cloud, the fountain that releases the seed that germinates and produces life. And whenever I form clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears in the clouds, now let's go to the next verse. I will remember my covenant between me and you and every living creature of every kind. Never again will the waters become a flood to destroy all life. When you read it in English, it sounds horrible. It sounds like, I wrote this today in the, in the email, I said this. It sounds like in the English translation that how I described it, which was pretty graphic, but I think people get it. Like, if we told our kids, they go, you know, um, mom and I had another child, but we were so angry with it that we killed it. But it was for your good. But now you can trust us again because all of our anger's erased. Um, I have a really hard time believing that God. That I, can, I re- can your kids really trust that God? If they go, mom and dad killed somebody? Like, what? But now they're okay, they said, and then we can trust them because they love us now. Their love is better now. That cannot be God. And it's not once you read the scriptures, right? So here's what it says. I'll remember my covenant between you. So it sounds like God was once angry, wiped out all humanity except for eight humans, but that's supposed to make us happy somehow. (laughs) That's such a horrible story to me. So I will remember, that first word, I'll remember, Strong's 2142, to mark, mention, or to be a male. And so if you're, some of you guys were on the fellowship, you heard uh, uh, Paul, it's, it's Vazakar, it's really this interesting, he goes, no, that word means the, the life of the male. I go, you're right, but we say remember. Remember? And it's like, remember you're a male, dude. That's really what it says in Hebrew. What is a male? Both physical covenant and holy covenant, we can choose to produce seeds anytime we want. Fair enough? We get to germinate life. Is really like, remember your mail is what that, I remember this. <clears throat> the waters, Strong's 4325, right out of your book. I just copied and pasted, right? You go, what is waters? Water, figuratively juiced by euphemism, urine, semen. Anybody getting this? Those waters become a flood to destroy a life. Life in Strong's 1320 is flesh, body, the pedenda of man. You know what pedenda is? <laughs> you got a good guess, right? So pedenda of a woman is her Volvo, and the pedenda of a man is his male part. This is your book. So here's what he's saying, literally. Remember, this act of creation, the waters from above mixes with the waters below. And that water that creates life in this physical covenant will never, ever be cut off. This is proof that God is in you. The fact that two can come together in physical intimacy and create God wrapped in flesh, both male, female, and every creature that walks the earth is proof as the strength of the covenant is what he says. Isn't that beautiful? It was proof 
that life will never be taken from you. As long as the earth remains, what will happen? Seed time and harvest shall not cease. This is what coming right now, all the whole story. Does that make sense? Isn't that cool? What we took as death, he's like, this is my covenant that I'll never cut off the flood of the flood waters from the man and the woman ever again. This is proof that you can create, which is proof that God is in you. How could it be any other way? When you have physical intimacy, you can create a baby. That's still the most miraculous thing. I've got to imagine, ladies and, and grandmas, that how in the world does that happen? Was there any more effort once you were pregnant? We shout when it comes out before Zerubbabel, is what I was showing you in Zechariah. It says, the water... the the head of the man descends and the mountain of the woman descends. She goes from a mountain to a plain right before your eyes. And the head of a man comes out in the 10th month and we shout grace, grace to it. How in the world can that be? It's the whole story. Isn't that amazing? That's the physical covenant. Does that help you? Ham, Shem, and Japheth, I'll just share this real quick because Stephen was like... In, my friend Bill just asked me too about Genesis 6 where it says, you know, the Nephilim and everything. I've done a service on that, but I've got way more now. That what I, now I get it. But, so Ham, Sham, and Japheth, here's how it's kind of what we're taught in the scriptures in English. It says this. It says uh, something like, um, Ham saw the nakedness of the father. Doesn't it say that, Steve? Yeah. Ham saw the nakedness of the father. And uh, because of that, he's ashamed or cursed or something like that. And so his two other brothers... Shem and Japheth walk backwards with a cloak <clears throat> and then cover up the nakedness. And you would be wrong. <laughs> it's not even close to what it says. What do you think it says? <clears throat> Here's what it says. Noach, what's Noach? The seed that germinates in Proust's life, new life out of the inner chamber, noon chet. New life comes out of the inner chamber, both physically, spiritually. God is between the two bloody halves, both physically and your brain. The holiest of holies, the golden tabernacle on the shoulders of two men that was never shown to the people. It says, put these into the Ark of the Covenant. Remember all that story? All the imagery is so beautiful to me now when I understand it. So here's Noah. It says, Ham is warmth. It's the same idea of the dove. When you see the dove, it says, the warmth of mating. So Ham is two Hebrew letters, hey, mem. And it says, to behold the mighty waters of the womb. So, the mighty waters of the womb beheld Nuach in intimacy, is what it says. And they laid on each other like a garment, shoulder to shoulder. And when they were on each other as a garment, shoulder to shoulder, all you could see was their backsides. And their nakedness was covered. So think about the man and woman in intimacy, right? Their... their the reproductive parts are covered and all you can see is their back. That's literally what it says. And they walked backwards. Like, when I read it in Hebrew, I'm like, what were you smoking? It doesn't even, when I read, it's like so, it's like, you can't make this up. Like, it's, go, let's go to Taco Bell would be a better translation. Why? I have no idea, but maybe it was just the, I don't know. When they, when they translate it, it's like, so guess what? All you can see were their backsides. And, and then guess what happened? When, when two come together in covenant, Shem Shem, anybody know what Shem is in Hebrew? Name or nature. So when two come together in covenant, it takes the nature of those two co in covenant and becomes Japheth, the offspring of that covenant. It's the all creation. It has nothing to do with he was ashamed of the nakedness and everything else and they got to walk backwards because of it. It's ridiculous. It talks about intimacy and when two come together in intimacy, guess what happens? 
it takes, the offspring takes the nature of those two. The male and female seed, it takes their nature. Doesn't that make more sense? And that's exactly what it says in Hebrew. Nobody's killing anybody. It's all stories of life, right? Nobody's ashamed. Nobody's ashamed of his nakedness. Nothing like that. He's like, whoa, baby, right? That's what it's about. <laughs> now, it says, be disciples. There's two words for, for the, the, like the disciple. One is this word says, now, learn, be a disciple of the salvation of the old covenant stories. Learn what these stories are about. And basically what they're saying is, when you understand the old covenant of physical creation, you're going to understand the power you have between the holiest of holies. Be a disciple of that, a learner of that. Learn from those stories. The other one I showed you a couple weeks ago, it says, when the 12 are sent out, doesn't use this, it's a different word, and that's the word that says dodeca. And it says the 10 and the 2, double entendre. And so here, what it's saying is, learn the power of these stories and you'll understand how all life works. It says, Dodeca, the ten and the two, ten is Yod, the strength of God or the power of God in the finished work, two is the house. So it says, Jesus' salvation, something is sent out when two are in covenant, and it doesn't return void, but it returns by grace in the power of God alone. There's nothing you have to do. That is the twelve that's sent out. It says, now learn these stories. They're pretty easy to learn, right? Aren't they? All right, so he says, as powerful as the old covenant is, that had glory that was fading away, when you're fully baptized in the Spirit, when you, when you go from physical creation to the really important part, the kingdom, where's the kingdom? Within, right? Within the chest, within that Ark of the Covenant, that box. Jesus says, what you do in there is what you're, everybody's going to see. What you do in that secret place. He's talking about prayer. He's talking about the holiest of holiest. Because it works the same way. You creates the same way. And there's no effort required. So we see the same furniture. In the, in the lower covenant, the old covenant, we see the candlestick, we see the altar of incense, and we see the showbread and wine that becomes life, bread. New covenant, same way. You, you see the altar of incense, you got to climb up the hill again. Stephen and I were looking at the imagery of of uh, when you look at a body laying down. That's how they were writing about Jacob. It's all this imagery where he had messages going above and below from heaven to earth. So it's, it's within you, this message. So I'm struggling with this message. Meaning this, let's say somebody's lacking financially. They're right now struggling with that message is, I am complete in Christ, nothing lacking. So they're, they're, they're struggling with that message, Right? But then it says, Jacob laid on the stone, which is Eben, which is offspring that comes from the noon. And he says, I am not leaving this thing until my desire, the creation of what I want, happens. And he's laying there, right? So that altar of incense that rises between the two golden cherubim, the two halves of our mind, and something's cast out, which is the sweet smell of aroma that's smelling good to God is what it says. And the creation that's going to happen is going to be bread, something rises and creates life from where? Heaven. The, the pot, the golden pot of manna, the manna from heaven. Life is going to be created from the two halves of your cherubim. It's the same imagery, guys. With no more effort to you, you just go grace, grace. Therefore, be careful what we, what we think about. Follow me? So let's go look at uh, Aaron and uh, this next slide real quick. It'll get it. So we're told that um, Aaron's rod is where? The rod of Aaron is in the Ark of the Covenant. 
right? It says, don't put this in there with the, with, the, with the teachings that are not supposed to be shown to people with the golden pot of manna. Put that in the holiest of holies, which is your mind. Follow me? What did I write? Anything good? Wait, I, did, I, did, I forgot I wrote about that. All right. So, <clears throat> all right. So the ark, Aaron, if you go look at the ark, this is, it's a different word here, which is interesting. The ark of Noah is a different word. This one is Aaron, because this is a different this is a chamber, but this is a different chamber, the holiest of holies. As the Hebrew letters, <clears throat> Aleph Resh Nun. And again, I just pulled it straight out of Strong, so you can't say I'm making this up. It's a chest or an ark. And we're always taught in Scripture that acacia wood, sticks, branches, um, oaks of righteousness is always humanity. It's always physical creation, you and I. Follow me? So, <clears throat> the chest or ark of acacia wood that's overlaid with gold carried on the shoulders of priests is us. It's our brain. It's our mind is what it says. So Aaron is Aleph Resh Nun. Aleph is first letter of the Hebrew alphabet, the strength of an ox, the strength of God. And Aleph, I've showed you the power of Aleph before. It's a yod, the finished work above what you do in the spirit. This is Jesus teaching the parables. What you do in the spirit of man, Vav is a man, or binds you to what happens physically. The strength of God above brings it into the physical below within man. That's what Aleph means. And it says, this ark, that strength that takes it from the spirit to the physical is resh, a man's head, and a seed is released that germinates and springs life. We're told in scripture, it says, that is your prayer. Whatever you think about with emotion, it carries the seed of God that creates. And we wonder, why is this happening to me? Where are your thoughts? I guarantee you that's where it'll come from. You've been thinking about this somewhere or something at some time and you forget. In fact, my friend Bill was asking about Genesis 6 where God was angry and the Nephilim and everything else. It's the same message. I, I, I did it real quick before I came in. It's like, oh my God, it's all there. It's, he, God was never mad and destroyed everything. You know what? You want to know what that says actually in Genesis 6? It says this. Um, really quick. So I, just, I looked at it quickly and I was like, bro, I, I'm getting ready for service, but I pretty much know what it is just by, I've got enough of the imagery now. So God was not angry at anything. It didn't wipe out anything. Here's what it says. Men and women saw each other in the physical covenant and it was good. It was good to eat. And they were the mighty men of renown, the mighty men of old. So the mighty men of old is old covenant, right? That thing's going to fade away. And then it says, and everything they created, they really didn't know the holiest of holies, just like physical creation, by the wicked thoughts and intents of their, you know what it says? Heart. The wicked thoughts and intents of their heart was everything with it, and it covered the land. And it says, and it came from Yatsar. It came from the imagination of men. And imagination of men is the finished work in your mind that brings that to you. And then it says, but he gave us an ish. It says, man discerned what happened. The ruddy man, our physical man, is like, whoa, when we realized we created all of that out of our imagination and our heart, we repented. We're like, oh my God, I created this? Ah, and God says, but I have compassion on you because I created you. <laughs> I knew you were going to screw up, right? He says, but guess what? I've given you Asher. Asher is Aleph, Shin, Resh. Remember I taught on Shin? Aleph, Shin is Ish. It's fire. The fire of Resh, the head. He goes, here's what I've given you. You realize that all of this stuff that you've created just like you created physical creation, is your own creation from your evil mind and imagination. That's literally what it says in Hebrew. 
but I have compassion for you. There's really good news is what he says. I've given you Asher. I've given you a fire of your mind that'll consume all of the things that you created that you no longer want. And the fire, that shin of God, where Yahweh is just pure creation. You'll see that in that imagery. It's like, everything that's created is created. Wouldn't that be a bummer if we had to live with all the wrong decisions we made all of our life? Ah, but I have compassion on you. I've gave you a shin. I've given you a fire that consumes. It says it literally breaks it down into pure energy to recreate new life. I've given you Asher. God found grace in Nuach. Nuach is... You don't like what you see? You realize, I did all of this? I repent. Ah, thank God. God loves his creation. He gave us a shin. And it says this. You can simply choose something else, nuach. You can take a different thought, a different image, is the seed of life that germinates and creates, and new life is going to come out of your inner chamber and wipe out everything you used to create when you didn't know. It's the whole story in Hebrew. Isn't it beautiful? It's beautiful, actually. God was so mad, he's so ticked, and everybody dead. Mommy, why'd you kill my cat? Because he didn't get on the ark. It was your neighbor got on the ark. What a terrible thing. It's not a children's story at all. <laughs> it's actually, so Aaron, the chest, a left fresh noon is the strength of God and the mad's head produces seeds. Aaron, the high priest, where's the high priest and where's this rod of Aaron? In the ark of the covenant, in the holiest of holies, we're taught, right? So Aaron, he adds a hay, which is, what comes out by grace, no effort of your own. So it says, what comes out of your head? Now you're Aaron, what comes out of the ark by grace? Here's what he's saying. You can choose to create any life you want. When you, when you become a disciple of the, the lower covenant, you get how that works. Like the miracle working power of God when two are joined together in covenant creates with no effort of your own. Now you're going to get the holiest of holies, the bigger thing. Seek ye first the kingdom, this higher place, which happens in the mind of man, and everything physically is going to be taken care of. Isn't that what it says? Go a little higher. When you fulfill every desire up here and know that you can just create it anytime you want by your thoughts, and just go, that is the grace of God. Amen. You get the two covenants? So here's what you do. We've all done stupid things. Well, maybe I have. I don't know if you have. Once. <laughs> This morning or whatever, yeah. <laughs> on the way to, yeah, whatever. Um, thank God we have a shin, right? So not only do we have the power of creation within our mind, we simply can have a thought, believe I have received it with joy and gratitude. And that is a seed that's cast out into the spirit, the yam, the sea of all creation. All creation responds to that seed. I, I have the divine ability within my two halves of my, my brain is what it says, now, there's certain things in my life that I've created by bad thinking. Oh, repent. Because I'm not going to leave you there. I have compassion on you. I've given you Asher. You can simply see what you do want. So, you've seen all these testimonies, guys. If you want health, what's salvation to somebody whose body is not whole right now? Asher. He's given you a shin. You don't have to beg God to heal you. Everything's already available. Is what he says, all creation is finished. Everything's ready. It's simply lambano, lay hold of anything in the spirit. How do you lay hold of it? This is what's not taught very well. It's not, please God, please God, right? Why is this happening to me? The story of Noah is going, oh, I created this. Oops, <laughs> repent. Repent means 
have a 180 degree opposite thought. Change your mind, right? So it says, see what you want it to be. And the power of God with no more effort everyone will bring it to pass. Now you just rest on the Iben, the stone that's released from within. Amen? You guys get it? That's it. So have brilliant thoughts, have godly thoughts, have life thoughts. Because this power that anything you, any thought you emotionalize, you go, oh my God, both good or bad comes. And actually in that Noah in Genesis 6 says, this, God is submissive to you. The spirit of God is submissive to you. It'll create whatever you want in there. It says, well, God's not going to strain with man forever, da, 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 da. It's literally, in the imagery, it says, God, the spirit of God is submissive to whatever you want to do, so therefore do good things. Because it'll, it'll respond to whatever you want. Amen? So, think big things, think brilliant things, whatever, before you go to bed tonight, go. And this is like a little test I've shared with you. What I do is really take some time to think about it and go, if I could design the greatest life ever and get to the point where you almost go, oh, man, if that was true. Because now you're resting on that seed. If you have a desire, we were sharing this on Thursday night, desire in Latin means sired of the Father. If you have any kind of desire, as God trying to express himself, as life trying to burst out of you, and going, I've given you this desire, this fire in your, in your heart of what life could look like, all we do is go, lambano, thank you, Father. If you have a desire, the seed of the Father is already there that will produce all on its own. It's of the Father. It's sired of the Father. Right? Like horses, like they, this sired, whatever. You know the imagery, right? Farm kids know all of this. Maybe you city kids don't know all of this. So we understand all this stuff. What he's saying that your desire is, is, a, is sired of the Father. Now just say yes. Feel, feel the, the excitement as if it's already real. Create in your mind a picture, the two golden halves of your mind, that it's real. That is a seed that goes out into the creative ability of God, the yam of God, the spirit of God, and you will have to do nothing. Events will happen, contracts will come, people, relationships. You just stay there as if it's already real and just your joy will be full. It'll be crammed full of joy. It says, Lambano, if you have a desire, ask, you shall receive so your joy may be full. It literally says, if you have a desire, just say yes, Lambano it. And it'll come to you in the physical so you'll be crammed full, overflowing of joy. He's the God of life and life more abundantly. That's how simple it is. So go to bed tonight with really good stuff, okay? God bless you guys. Hopefully it helps.